We're going to talk about today, moving on uh, to another worldview question. We've dealt with where do we come from? We've dealt with our identity. And now we're going to deal with meaning or what's the purpose? What's the big deal? Look at your neighbor and say, so what? So what? You ever ask yourself that? So what? As created beings in the image of God, finding our identity in him, you start to realize that the creator didn't just create you to randomly go out and experience life, but he created you for a purpose. There's a reason behind why you are who you are and where you're at and, and all those things. And one of the, one of the most beautiful things in life is to be around somebody that understands their purpose and lives for it. And one of the most tragic things in life is to be around somebody that doesn't know. And when you're around somebody that knows their purpose in life and you watch them, you're like, oh man, it's, it's kind of magical to watch somebody walk through life and just, just knock it out of the park. And then I'm sure all of us know somebody that just wanders through life almost aimlessly. And you see so much potential and so much talent. You just, come on, come on, you got to put it together. And we're going to deal with that the next couple of weeks. Today, I want to talk to you about what it is and, and, and what it means. And then next week, we're going to try to dive into, like, how do you cultivate it? How do you find that meaning? How do you cultivate purpose in your life? And so we're going to read, we're going to read from Luke chapter four. This is the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. He had been tempted in the wilderness. And when he comes out of the wilderness, after be, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, you thought your intermittent fasting was cool. He does some ministry. We're going to read, actually we're going to read a decent amount here because I want to paint a picture for you. So why don't you stand to your feet, Luke chapter four. We'll start in verse 16. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Look at your neighbor say, Jesus went to church as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's a pretty good purpose, isn't it? He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What have we, what have we heard you do, did at Capernaum? Do it here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, 
There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to the only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them were was cleansed but only Nahum the Syrian when they heard these things all in the synagogue were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff now now I hope that doesn't happen at family dinners when you start to disagree with each other they were so angry at his words they, they were going to drag him out to the cliff and throw him off of it but it says but passing through their midst he went away and when he went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, what have you, do, what, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf and he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them, healing them. And the demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because he, they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, we pray that we discover your purpose for our lives. Help us do that. Lord, if we're confident in our calling, we pray that you'd reinforce it this morning. Help us lean in again and hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. The physician Luke opens up Jesus' public ministry with him exiting the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. And he is, word is beginning to spread around the area. Jesus began preaching and teaching in the synagogues of Galilee. And he comes to Nazareth where he was raised. He's going back home. He's rejected in Nazareth after he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He, he reads from the scroll and then he sits down and he begins to teach them and he starts to say some controversial things. And man, they rise up and they are torqued. They try to throw him off a cliff. He moves to Capernaum and teaches on the Sabbath 
where the listeners are astonished at his teaching. Do you see the pattern here? Everywhere he goes, people, there, there's, no, there's no middle ground. Nobody's like, ah, I mean, he was all right. They're either totally astonished or ready to throw him off a cliff. They've never seen any authority like that in anyone's words. And in that synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. And Jesus frees the man in front of everyone. And they were even more amazed at the authority, not just of his words, but now he's casting demons out of people. And it's, it's not like, well, I think the guy was just having a bad day. It was evident that there was a demon in this guy. He leaves the synagogue. Now this is the same day. So he's teaching that morning in the synagogue, heals the man. And on the same day, he moves to Simon Peter's house and heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then Luke records as the sun is setting, they start bringing everybody to him. Already a full day. Think about this. He's already had a full day. The sun is setting. They bring everybody to him. He bring, he heals all who are brought to him and frees people from demons. And you can imagine he's tired at the end of the day. The next morning, Luke records that he wakes up. He gets up and Luke just says in the morning, Mark's gospel, you put them all, all these accounts together. Mark's gospel tells us how early he rose up and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Mark tells us that Simon and his friends went out to look for Jesus and they found him. And they let him know that everyone was looking for him and wanted him to stay. That'd be a great news in the morning. You get up super early, you go out to pray. And then your friend comes out and says, everybody loves you. They want you to stay here. You're a hit. Jesus tell them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he leaves. The truth about our lives today is we're all, we're all moving, 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 busy, accomplishing tasks. We're acquiring things. We're aging. We're forming habits. We're winning some days. We're losing some days. We're starting families. We're living and dying. And the, and the overarching question whether it's asked every day or not, is why? What do we do it for? Why do you get up and go to work other than the paycheck? Some of you are saying, why do I get up for the paycheck? I think purpose in life, meaning in life, is a topic that actually the majority of people in our culture don't even entertain deeply. We're kind of in a rhythm. Um, I saw... I saw a promotion for a movie uh, last night, Keeping Up with the Joneses. And, and I was watching the trailer, and I was just laughing at the trailer. I don't know if I ever watched the movie because I'm living it. <laughs> so um, I thought, this is kind of what happens to us. We are we're raised, we've maybe, maybe your family instilled some values in, but then we get into a cultural system that causes you to ask less why questions and ask more how questions. Like, 
They have that. How do I get that? This person works from home. How do I work from home? This person, this person just seems to have it all made. How do I do that? And so we get into this, this kind of the old term, the rat race. We get into that thing where we're just trying to like, oh, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I figure it out. And we rarely ever ask why, why am I doing it? What, what, what benefit is it? What at the end of the day, what's it going to matter? Frank Sinatra, that's a good segue, isn't it? Wrote a song called I Did It My Way. Anybody remember that song? I'm going to read you the first, I'm going to read it. And now the end is here. And so I face the final curtain, that final curtain. Now, when I read this, I've watched him sing it several times this week. And I've practiced But when you read it without the music, this is a tragic song. And now the end is near. I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more. I did it my way. Right? Okay. Now listen. So what? If we get to the end of our lives and we stand before God and go, I did it my way. So what? What does that mean? What what does that mean? We're, We're talking about, remember, we've already talked about we were created intentionally by God. That everything was created intentionally by God. And we were designed to find our identity in him. And apart from him is confusion. Remember the last couple of weeks? So now, now the, now the idea that he created us intentionally and we find our identity in him, when we find our identity in him, we find out that he did it on purpose. He, he gifted you and skilled you and, and all these things on purpose for a purpose. And the ultimate rejection of God would be to stand in front of him and say, I did it my way. It's a good song. But it's a horrible life principle. So I need you to first understand what purpose might look like in your life. Next week, we'll find out how to dig for it. Purpose is received, not decided. Did you ever think about that? Now, some of you control freaks, that's going to that's gonna work on you a little bit. So many times we tell our children, you can do anything you want. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> if, if you're getting ready to have young kids, that's the worst thing to tell your children. You can do anything you want. Because kids, when they're like four, want to be unicorns. <laughs> no, you're going to get made fun of for that. You don't want to do that. When, when they get older... I remember, I remember certain things I wanted to do that, that I couldn't like look at me. There's no way I was going to be able to accomplish certain things that I thought maybe I could. We all have physical limitations. We all have, there's different, and I know, I know somebody's going to come to me and say, well, yeah, but there's been people, it's 1%. 
It's 0.001%. That's not the example to use. Hey, this guy did it. So what happens is we, we're in a culture that says you can do anything you want because your purpose is yours to decide. You get to make the decision. Well, I'm here to tell you if the Son of God, actually God himself, came, Emmanuel, God with us, if he came and he tells, he tells the people at Simon Peter's mother's house, mother-in-law's place, if he tells the people there, I was sent for this purpose. That means he didn't decide it. That means the father sent him with a purpose. Are you following me? So if the son of God is standing in front of the synagogue saying, this is the reason I came. This is the anointing that's on me. And the father sent me. Why in the world would we think as Christians that we get to decide what that is? You know how comforting it is to know that the creator has a purpose for me? That means I don't have to figure it out. That means it's for me to find out, not decide. Now, now that means it's a totally different search going on here. I don't have to wander through life trying to figure it out for myself. I can discover it through a relationship. Amen? Jesus stood in the synagogue and read from the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because what? He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus himself is saying, he sent me. It wasn't me to choose. Do you remember John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he sent So God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus arrives at the synagogue and says, I'm just reiterating what what the universe, what all eternity already knows. He sent me to do this. I'm not deciding my purpose. It was already decided. Now, again, some of you are like, I don't like that. Because you like to be in control. Um, My personality type, is defined like this. I don't have to be in charge, but don't tell me what to do. Anybody else? I don't have to be running it. I'll come along for the ride, but don't you dare tell me what to do. We're the absolutely impossible people to deal with. Okay, so when I so you bump up again this against this, and guess what? All of a sudden, me and my personality type, I have to go, God, this is what I mm. Lord, I guess I got to learn how to surrender because you created me. You knew I was stubborn. You knew I was determined. You knew I was, didn't take instruction well. You knew all this stuff and you created me for a purpose. You wired me like that for a purpose. So Lord, help me to find it in you. Notice that Jesus did not tell the people in Nazareth, that he had decided his purpose, but he reads to them that God's spirit was on him and everything that he had been given was from the father, his power, his message, his work. He's telling them in Nazareth, the father has given this to me. And then when he 
is interrupted in praying in the early in the morning, he says to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. That is such a huge statement. Jesus himself did not say, I decided to do this. He said, I was sent to do this. What if we changed the way we talked about meaning? What if we changed the way we talked about what we're called to accomplish? What if we said, listen, I, God has called, God has purposed me to do this. We wrestle with the, I did it my way. That song track is playing in the back of our minds all the time. Do I do it his way or do I do it my way? Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's writing to the Philippians. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call, the upward purpose, the upward the upper calling of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm not pressing on from, because it's my own will. I'm pressing on to fulfill what God has already called me to do. That's the apostle Paul. The truth of the matter is purpose is given to us as a gift from our creator. Here's the thing that we have to remember. We're playing tug of war with a gift. God is saying, hey, listen, I created you. I knit you together in your mother's womb before, the, before there was any for, I, like I know intimately, I know how you're wired. I know how you think. I, I know the words that you're going to say before you say them. I know, I know the thought processes. I know, I know how to get you where you need it. I know all of that. I'm God. And he's saying as a gift, because of a relationship with me, I'll give you a purpose. I'll give it to you as a gift. I'll give it. And by the way, if you live out this purpose, it'll be the most fulfilling thing you've ever done in your life. It will be the fulfillment of your life. It will fill your life doing the will of God. So God gives it to us. And then, and then we go, I don't know. I didn't get to do what I wanted today. I don't know. I don't know. It's actually not a tug of war. We kind of shove it back to him. I want it when I think it's going to benefit me and then I shove it back to him when I don't think it's going to benefit me. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I probably would have stayed at the mother-in-law's house and started a church because everybody loves me. Think about it. Simon Peter and his friends come out to Jesus early in the morning. They say, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm out here. I'm out here obtaining the Father's will. We'll get into that in a second. I'm out here praying. I'm out here. I'm out here communing with the Father. And so, and Peter goes, hey, man, you're a hit. Everybody loves you back there. You're casting out demons like nobody has ever seen. How do you do that? If you come back with us, it'll be great. And we are often enticed by successes more than purpose. 
It's true, isn't it? I probably would have stayed. I probably been, this is obvious. And yet Jesus says, I've got to go to other towns to preach. I was sent for this purpose. And Peter and them are like, oh, really? Other towns? Really? Purpose is a gift given to us. And and it transcends our circumstances. It transcends where people like us. It transcends all kinds of things. It's a gift. And I need to let you in a little secret. There's no amount of self-indulgence that can bring meaning to life like living God's purpose. Did you hear me? There's no amount of self-indulgence that can do the same as living your life on purpose. And yet our culture is telling us every day, just do what you want. Make it feel good. Do whatever feels good. Do do it. I need to remind you what Solomon wrote. The man who had access to everything anyone on the planet could have ever wanted and no limit of it. He said, I've done everything. I've tried everything. Solomon ended up writing that everything ends up being meaningless outside of a pursuit of God and his purpose for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. This is the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. From the guy who tried everything, from the guy who had access to everything, from the guy that was smarter than all of us put together. He said, at the end of the day, I tried it all. I tried to find meaning in it all. I tried to, I tried to find purpose in it all. And guess what? There was none at the end of it. And he swings all the way back around and he says, fear God and keep his commandments. What is he saying? He's saying, surrender your life to God. Surrender your will. Don't stand up and say, I did it my way. Stand up and say, I lived the most fulfilling life because I did it his way. But here's what you have to be ready for. When you discover your purpose, when you discover your purpose, not everybody's going to understand it. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Because we, we, want, we want to be reinforced by everybody, don't we? Purpose may not be understood by everyone. Just in Luke chapter 4 and verse 29, and they rose and they drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Now, I need you to juxtaposition verse 29 with verse 42. In verse 29, the people of the synagogue are ready to throw him off the cliff. In verse 42, the people at the house are ready to make him president. Think about this. Most of our, of us are living our life by consensus. What does the culture say is appropriate? What does the people around me say is appropriate? What is, what is everybody agreeing to? How should we raise our kids? Well, this is what everybody's doing. This is what everybody on the baseball team's doing. This is what, this is what everybody else, do you know how many times, uh, we've, we've been having this conversation lately a lot about devices, cell phones, devices, and tablets and all this stuff. And, um, and, and the irony is this, 
I just had a conversation with a gentleman the other day and he said, I took my phone away from my kid and he went nuts. But he didn't give it back. And I thought, good for you. Now you got a crazy kid in the house. But, but back up before that, back up before that. I can, I understand. Do you know why we give our kids cell phones so early? I know everybody says, I know everybody says, well, it's for safety. My three-year-old might be on the street by himself one day and he might need to, he might need to dial me. Really? Really? Why do we do it? Because everyone's doing it. I'm not advocating throwing cell phones out, but it's, it's poison at some level. Now you might think I'm crazy, but listen to me. Trust me when I tell you this. A lot of the decisions we're making with our children, a lot of the decisions we're making with our families and our marriages is why? Not because it's out of a purpose given by God, but because as everybody does it. And when our children come home at nine years old and say, everybody's got a cell phone, we go, oh, she's going to get picked on if we don't give her a cell phone. (laughs) Instead of saying, we live for a higher purpose. Some things we do different. Why do we do them different? Because it's a higher purpose. Some things we can't get involved in because it's a higher purpose. Yeah, but not everybody's going to like me. They try to throw Jesus off the cliff. Our family doesn't go near cliffs. Jones is going to do things different. We're staying away from cliffs. Are you following me? The church at some point in time, not mean, we don't don't have to stand up and be like, oh, y'all are going to hell. We don't have to do that, Remember? But what we do have to do is say, sometimes the purpose that God has given me is in direct contrast to the purpose that, to the lack of purpose everybody else is living with. And I I know sometimes it's just going to look different. It's just going to look different. Jesus, why wouldn't you stay here? You haven't healed everybody in Nazareth yet. You haven't healed everybody in Capernaum yet. You haven't healed it. Why wouldn't you stay here? Why wouldn't you do this? Because I've been sent. Are you kidding me? You're willing to walk away? You're willing to keep going. And then the next verse it says, and he preached in the synagogues throughout Judea. It's just like an emphatic, boom, and he's doing it. After people are begging him, don't go, don't go, don't go. The next, the next verse, and he just went out and did it. Because he was, he was connected to the Father in a way that that purpose, the Father's purpose for him, was the only thing that mattered. Now, I know you're thinking Jesus didn't have any kids. Jesus didn't have a wife. Jesus didn't have in-laws. Jesus didn't have... And you're like, he had a pretty sweet man. He could just pick up and leave. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sweet gig. God gave you a purpose with all those things in mind. God gave you a purpose with all those things in mind. And he wants you in a relationship with him to the point where you can understand that, that your source is him, not everyone else. Not everyone else. Jesus had to solidify in his, in his human being that some people are going to like what I do and some people are not going to like what I do. I'm not going to be nasty to him, but I'm going to the next town. He didn't have to be nasty to Peter 
He just said, no, this is why I was sent. You don't have to be nasty to the other families on the baseball team. You just have to say, hey, this is a decision we made. We look at our kids differently. We, we, there's a, we're trying to raise them with purpose. We handle our marriage differently. We're trying to be married with purpose. We're trying to discover what God has for us to do and accomplish. And it's just going to look different. Jesus did things all the time that nobody understood. John chapter four, verse one. Now when the, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, or when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. His disciples are like, what are you doing? Why are you going that way? Then we find out he met with a woman at the well. Jesus was always doing things that nobody understood because it was his purpose. It was a higher calling than just to get by in life or have his own way or to, or to, or to be famous. He had a higher purpose. He did it on his way into Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. We, read that, we talked about this a couple of months ago. Mark chapter 8 verse 30, 31. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this, what's that word? Plainly. And he said it plainly. You know what he's saying? This is the purpose the father has for me. I have to go. I will be tried. I'll be beaten. I'll be crucified. On the third day I'll rise again. It's not my will, it's the Father's. What's the first thing, first thing happened? Put that scripture back up. Peter of all people. Did you hear that? Peter of all people. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's not your purpose. That's not right. That's not gonna be comfortable for us. What are we gonna do? You've been, we've been running with you for three years. This has been a pretty sweet gig. Every demon we come up on, you're just like, bang, and he comes out. We like all that. We like hanging out with you. There's no one ever like you. We like it. Now, Jesus is saying, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to die on the third day. Peter goes, nope. That ain't happening. Jesus is telling Peter, I'll do it the Father's way. And Peter's telling Jesus, I'll do it my way. But turning and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Even well-meaning people sometimes try to get us to focus on the things of man. Why are you doing that way? Everybody's doing this. This This is the way everybody does it now. Jesus went, no, that's not why I was sent. That's not why I was sent. Now, can, can we just have, I know we're online. I don't want to freak anybody out. Can we just have a little private conversation here? Hey, the next time your friend asks you to do something, don't go, hey, wait a second. I need to find out if that's the Lord's purpose. <laughs> no, no, I, I shouldn't go. Come on. 
The problem with us is we're always trying to find out the Lord's purpose in the circumstance. And they wouldn't found Jesus before it became daylight by himself. We'll get more into that next week. Church, we will never fulfill the whole purpose of God trying to disseminate it in the moment. That's not the way it works. And the church being biblically illiterate and out of a, out of a real daily relationship with the creator. Now we're left with, what am I supposed to do right here? And we're sitting in front of the soccer team and they're like, this is what we're going to do. And you're going, I don't think God wants me to do that. And we look crazy, crazier than we need to look. Hold on a second. Let me pray about it. What? No, no, no. You didn't see Jesus going, hold on, let me pray about it because he already had. Before anybody else interacted with him, before anybody else saw him, he was up in the morning interacting with the father going, what's the will for today, Lord? And I, I, if you pray at night, that's fine. Pray about the next day. What's happened has already happened, but you got to get a relationship with the Lord that would prepares you for his will for the next day. Jesus got up early. If you want to stay up late, do it. But our prayers need to turn in more like, Lord, help me to Lord. Give me a determined conviction to follow your purpose for my life tomorrow. Because I know there's going to be opportunities not to do that. Some of them are going to be great opportunities. Some of them, everybody's going to support me. Some of them, they're going to try to throw me off a cliff. Either way, Lord, I need to be determined to do it your way. Man, my prayer at the end of my life is I can stand in front of him and say, I did it your way. You know what I'm confident of? If I can get in front of him and say that, I'll have no regrets. You know what I'd love for every person in this room watching online, Berkeley Springs Concord, is that you're able to stand in front of your creator one day and say, I did it your way. I got no regrets. No regrets. This, that life wasn't easy. I didn't get rewarded all the time. I had to walk through some mess. I had to deal with things that nobody understood. I had to do it your way. But I got no regrets now. I got no regrets. Church, we live in a culture that requires the approval of the masses. But the church has to be able to walk out the purpose of, of God regardless of popular opinion. Not being, mis, not being understood is oftentimes a prerequisite for us understanding God's will. Paul wrote Romans 8.28. And he said this, and we know that for those who love God, those who love God, remember that last, have that vertical deal lined up, right? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to Listen, do you know how much relief that should give you this morning? Hey, I've tried it my way a hundred times. 
And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And when it didn't, I had to own it. But Paul says over here, if you embrace the call of God in your life, his purpose for your life, if you get this relationship, if you stay in this relationship continually, Jesus said in John, I'm the vine, you're the branch. We're connected. If you stay in that relationship, then what happens is his purpose Now I can discern his purpose for my life. And Paul would write to the Romans and say, you discerning his purpose for your life now, walking it out in a daily walk, then he will guarantee you that all things, all circumstances that you don't understand, nobody else understands, will work together for good on your behalf. He didn't say it would be easy. He said, even if it's difficult, it will end up working out for good. Amen? But the precursor there is for those who are called according to his purpose. The band's going to come up. All right, listen to me. Last thing. Purpose always requires determination and discipline. If there's one overarching characteristic about our culture today, it's that we lack discipline. Did you hear that? I hope you agree with it. If there's one overarching statement about our culture today is that we lack discipline. Amen? Anybody remember what discipline looked like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? 50 years ago. That one verse, after Peter says, hey, everybody wants you to stay here, shows the discipline of Jesus. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He was able to discipline himself And go out through Galilee and preach even when people didn't want him to leave. That's discipline. This is the way the Joneses do it. Even if nobody else agrees, that's discipline. This is the way, this is what God's calling me to do. Even if, even if nobody understands, that's discipline. The first time I got on a plane and flew to Africa, I remember I I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never taken a flight by myself. Sorry, ah, ah, ah. Okay, God, I think that I really think you're calling me to do this. Now, 11 years later, still scared. No. <laughs> Jesus leaving Capernaum was not an act of indifference or cruelty, but perfectly in line with the Father's purpose for him. I'm glad Jesus left and preached. I'm glad, I'm glad that, that a confidence in God, God's calling caused me to do some things over the years that might not have been popular. I'm glad there's people sitting in this room and watching online that understand what it is for you to go, God, this is, this is what you want me to do. And I'm okay with not everybody understanding it. I'm glad there's people in the room that know what it's like to discern God's will early in the morning. And let him pour into you. 
what he wants. The truth is it takes discipline to make that happen. It can't be a scripture verse a day. It can't. Come on, if we're going to discern what the will of God is, we got to be in relationship with him. We got to be in communion with him. We got to we got to wake up before it happens and say, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to respond to this? Lord, how do you want me to handle this? Lord, my kids are sideways. I don't know what to do with it. Show me your will. Show me your will, Lord. It takes discipline. Stand to your feet. I'm going to leave you with this. It's impossible for you to conceive the purpose of your life without considering the one that gives you purpose. It's impossible. You may be able to say, I think this is what it is, but it's impossible to really discern what it is. It's not a decision. It's a discernment without being in relationship with him. And my prayer for every, every single person in the room today is that you first make that decision. Make that decision to say, God, you know what? You created me. You know what's best for me. And I, I need you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to be in a right relationship with you today. You could, you could make that decision this morning. And then maybe for some of you that have done that, but, you're, but it's just like, man, I, you know, I don't, we don't really talk. Like say, Lord, I'm going to start leaning. I don't want the next 20 years to be searching. Lord, I want to know. I want to know. I want to have the confidence that I'm fulfilling what you've called me to do. And he has that and will give that to every single person in the room. Every person in the room. So can we pray like that this morning? Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we have access to. And so we say that first this morning, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us today, Lord. We confess our sins and you said you were faithful to forgive us if we would do that. I pray that you'd set some people free this morning from sin. Set some people free this morning. And Lord... As you have set us free, I pray, Lord, that we, that we discern your purpose for our lives. Lord, that we lean into what you have for us. We discipline ourselves to your ways and your will. And Lord, we'd embrace it. And at the end of the day, Lord, we'd be proud to do it your way. We thank you for it. We honor you. We give you praise. And we ask you for the power to do it your way this week. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you give him honor and praise this morning, church? He's good. Hey, listen, spend some time with him today, tonight, tomorrow morning, and find out what his purpose is for you this week. And he'll be faithful to give it to you. Amen. We'll see you back here next Sunday.